Okay, people, so it is time for part two of this week's Echo Chamber. And we have got a look at a new romance, right? Rom-com, do you know what I mean? But not like your normal bog-standard rom-com, I will say. And then we speak to the director and a writer of the piece. So, definitely another episode that you should not miss, people. Okay? So, if you are ready, let's get into things, all right? Let's go! All right, people. As promised, getting into uh, a look this new film, it is The End of Sex. Okay, people. So, have a new indie joint for you this week. Thanks to the good folks at Blue Fox Entertainment and Falco Inc. Right? I got the hook up with The End of Sex. This is um, the new film from Sean Garrity, which was written by Jonas Chernick. The film is produced by Justin Rebelo, uh, Sally Karam, and Christopher Guru. It is executive produced by um, Jonas Chernick, Emily Hampshire, Jesse D. Ickerman, Bill Marks, Alex Peters, and Michelle Schwanstein. And it's line produced by Evan Ottini. Ari Posner handled the music. While Sasha Morick, cinematography, and John Gerdebeck edits the piece. Sarah Kay and Jenny Lewis are on casting with um, Tiana Petrovok on production design, Rab, Rabab Ali, art direction, um, Mich Michael Alexander Uselio was on set decoration and um, costume design is Chelsea Graham and um, Heather Jennings and Haley Roseland Barnes were on makeup and our cast. Well, uh, Emily Hampshire is Emma, Jonas, as well as writing the joint, he's also co-starring as her husband, Josh, right? Um, they've got two daughters, Dawn, played by Emily Watts, and Grace, played by Maya Misajevic. Um... Emma works with Wendy, who is played by Melanie Scrofani, Scrofano, right? Um, Josh works with Kelly, played by Lily Gow. Um, and the work Emma and Wendy are doing, right? They visit a gallery, which is owned by Marlon, who is played by Gary Powell. Okay, we've got Aisha played by Eden, um, Eden Cupid. Um, we have Simone, played by Kimberly Sue Murray. Janice, played by Samantha Espy. Um, Emma's mother is Marge, played by Frances Townsend. Um, her dad is... I feel, I feel dad's Tom, who's played by Austin Ball. 
Uh, we've got Andrew, played by Daniel Falk. Um, Ilan, played by Milton Barnes. Jewelry, played by Pedro Miguel Arce. Dave, played by Brad Austin. Paul, played by Ken Pack. And Gary, played by Stephen McCarthy. Yeah, there. That's our main lot of folks. And the gist is this: after sending their kids away to a week-long sleepaway camp for the first time, Emma and Josh, feeling the pressure of parenting, realize they have the house to themselves, which can only mean one thing, right? A perfect opportunity to have as much sex as they want. There is only one problem. They are shocked to discover their lovemaking has become stagnant. Freaked out that this could be a sign of their relationship in decline, Emma and Josh desperately embark on a series of adventures that will push their marriage to the brink in the hopes of reinvigorating their sex lives. <laughs> so that's the film, right? Now, um, we have a statement, right, from, uh, you know, Sean and Jonas, and it is this. When we have kids, our sex lives go underground, like a kind of espionage committed quietly behind locked doors when we're sure that our children are asleep or over at a friend's house, or for the more daring among us, when they're taking a shower or playing a particularly immersive video game. Sex reverts to the taboo subterfuge it was when we were ourselves teenagers. Maybe that's why our kids are in shut shock when they eventually deduce that we must be doing it having been doing it all this time da -da -dum, in this house right under their noses such betrayal so when our offspring are old enough to travel out of town with their volleyball team or go to summer camp or for a prolonged stay with rural relatives we are finally emancipated sexual liberation we can fuck in every room of the house with the doors open on the floor, on the stairs, like we used to before we had kids. And that's when we discover to our horror that while we were busy packing lunches, driving our daughters to birthday parties and making sure our sons brushed their teeth properly, something happened. We got older. Yep. Because the ultimate subterfuge is, of course, change. We don't even notice it happening until we try to revert to our 28-year-old selves with their 20-year-old sex lives. And instead, we find ourselves standing naked in front of someone's mum, who is herself standing naked in front of someone's dad. Such betrayal. In the end of sex, I try to push this universal journey towards um, towards its most awkward, vulnerable and hilarious extremes. And along the way, I have my characters stumble upon something else, something about the other things that change when our sex lives change, something about who we were and who we have become. So... That's the, um, yeah, that's the gist in what they were trying to do. And people, right? I'm going to be honest with you. I think they did it, right? I think they did it. I, yeah, this was a really, um, it's a really interesting, I feel, like, look at things. Right now, we've had countless films and TV shows that kind of look at a similar thing, right? And sometimes you can wonder, 
why do we need more? Right? What is this going to tell us? Because we've had some good ones and we've had some terrible ones, right? Now, this, this, I think there, there's some fun here. It, you know what? When I was watching it, it reminded me of this old, gosh, I think early 90s sitcom. I think, yeah, I guess you would call it a sitcom. It's called Dream On, right? About a guy, I feel his name was Andy. And he lived in, he was a single dad living in um, a flat, looking after his daughter, you know, thinking about his past marriage that failed and then just other relationships. And like, when he would have a thought about something, sometimes they would visualize that thought or, you know, words might appear, which kind of depict that. And we got that in this, right? There, there'll be like, fantasies and thoughts that came to life, you know, there was um, <laughs> a bit when, and um, wait, hold on, I feel I got my names mixed up, dum, 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 so Josh, of course, Josh, there's a bit when Josh was, was talking to Kelly, right, and they were talking about the amount of sex couples have, and he's walking down the street, and now that's all he can think about. So above people's heads, it'll be like, this morning, yesterday, you know what I mean? An hour ago, right? Just all these times kind of just go, because there's that worry of, are we, you know what I mean? Are we the only ones? Is everyone else doing it more than us? Right? There's all of these thoughts and conceits and all of that kind of thing, which I thought was very well captured in that moment, right? You've got Kelly, who is much younger. Um, we don't, I don't feel we get an age, but definitely younger, right? So those conversations between her and Josh, and just Josh in the company where he works, right? You can see that everyone else has this younger mindset, right? And he's, you know, could say outdated, could say sensible with some of the stuff, right? But it, there's that difference there. And, you know, just in the conversations he has with Emma about things, right? Because it's it's that thing. When they realize, how's this free? It's just like, oh, I mean, we could have the sex, right? And, you know, it's, yes, it's it, like you can say some of these terms and things are stuff that, you know, we see in comedies and stuff like that. But also, older people, <laughs> right? You do, you do notice that there are people that kind of do talk like that, you know? Oh, I was on the internet, you know? And that, um, the Facebook and, you know what I mean? Like the way people talk about things. And it's so, you know, this worked. I, I really feel this, you know, did work. Now, I wasn't, let, I, you know what I mean? I wasn't, I would say, laughing out loud. But I, it, you know what I mean? It did bring a smile to my face a lot watching these different scenarios. And you do think, <laughs> yeah, no, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, oh my gosh, yeah, you know what I mean? And you're thinking like that as watching it. So, I, you know, I do think probably, a lot of, yeah, this is going to make a lot of people laugh, right? Just watching um, their interpretation of some of these scenarios. Like, there's certain things that happen that you would go, oh, well, I mean, yeah, they, you know, obviously they're going to have, like, this situation, right? But it's... I feel it's the conversations that go around these things, right? That's what works. Then also, you're, you're watching this film, right? And it's about this couple trying to reignite their sex lives. 
but it also kind of looks at those situations. You know, what I mean? like the way you might see other people in certain situations and you just think, <laughs> I mean, that's them. We are nowhere near that, right? Even though you might be close, right? But you you just don't realize because it's outside looking in, you know what I mean? So you have that, but then also the big thing, right? Because you, you have this couple that have just put things on the back burner, right? It's, yeah, great parents looking after kids, making sure they're fed, going to school, all of that jazz. But I think it shows, you know what I mean? Like, look, you can do that for sure. Definitely do that. But never lose sight on your situation, you know what I mean, always remember that, yo, you've got to show each other love, right, you've got to, you know what I mean, be there for each other in every way, not just, okay, I'll cook dinner tonight, but just be like, yo, I love you, man, you know what I mean, you know what I mean, just care for each other, because if you don't, you kind of get out of practice with certain things, you know? It's, um, yeah, it, 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 we've got that hypocrisy thing that happens, right? How could you lie to me when they've lied as well? You know what I mean? But you just, in the moment, you're not thinking about the fact that, oh, yeah, you were doing exactly the same shit. You know, and then there's the the trying to make people jealous, those petty things. And I thought what was great is just like that whole notion of when we take advice from people, and then and you're and you're thinking, oh, this person has all the answers, right? Without thinking, wait, could they be insecure on things? Right? Could they have doubts about things? You know what I mean? Because we, we, we have that thing where we kind of just assume, right? This person, oh, they're living the perfect life. Everything is golden with them. But it's not always the case. Not always the case. So, yeah, I thought this was, um, I, yeah, I thought this was handled really well. You know, also shows, right? Don't jump into everything. <laughs> Don't jump into everything without fully thinking it through because there are, you know what I mean? <laughs> there are consequences to our actions. We might unleash a situation that, yeah, you might not be um, completely down with, you know? <laughs> but yes, people. The end of sex is a, a, a very enjoyable addition, I would say, right, to um, films like uh, Zach and Miri make a porno, you know? Um, oh, my God. My mind has just got... There was another film that I was thinking about and being like, oh, yeah, perfect. Jesus Christ, my um, my stupid head is uh, like a sieve. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, there's a you know, there's a load of uh, kind of films that look at relationships and that connective tissue between us, right? Which I think it's, it's sometimes it's not necessarily what we hope it would be. You know what I mean? You want it to be a lot stronger. But, yeah, there can be holes. I mean, um, gosh. I, just, just think of, like, some of your favorite kind of uh, romantic um films right where someone is playing something off against someone else you know because yeah this one as i said look it's a good addition 
to the mix. Like plus one. Yes, I think that's another one I was trying to um, uh, think about people. But yeah, there's plenty of those films, you know? And, uh, you know, it's, you see, always interesting, you know? As I said, look, it's always interesting to see what people can do with a story, what new spin they can put on it. And I think when people talk in a way right that feels a bit a bit more realistic right that's always a huge plus and we definitely I would say we definitely get that with this solid acting all the way through solid acting all the way through um yeah people the end of sex I recommend it go check it out have fun, enjoy it, and, you know, if you pick up anything from the film, you know, have conversations, man, have conversations, remember not to blurt things out when you've got a microphone, and um, look at, you know, the list of people that might be in a sex club, <laughs> if you don't want to sky yourselves, <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> also, if you're in a fucking office, there's conversations happening in the office, right? And it's not like motherfuckers are whispering. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah, maybe you don't want to share all your business, right? In, in front of your colleagues. But people, yeah, the end of sex, have fun. Okay, folks, so we've looked at the film. Now we speak to the director, Sean Garrity, the writer and one of the stars, Jonas Chernick. And hey, it's a great conversation. A little bit of some Wi-Fi difficulties, but people, you do not want to miss it, okay? So let's jump in, shall we? Okay, people, so I am joined today by Sean Garrity and Jonas Chernick. Chernick, is that, did I get yeah, that right? you got it. Chernick. Oh, yeah, okay. that's perfect. Um, perfect, perfect. <laughs> it, Sean is the director and um, Jonas is the writer and one of the leads of The End of Sex. Gentlemen, thank you very much for your time. Really appreciate it. Ah, it's our pleasure. You. Yo, so, um, man, I've watched the film today. Really enjoyed it. So, like, you two, it looks like you've, you've worked together a lot. So, um, do, <laughs> do you think that has helped build this you know, the, 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 the way you're able to get these performances and to tell these stories. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, because Jonas and I kind of sprung from the same Petri dish out here in, in Winnipeg, Manitoba, and have worked on a, a bunch of films together, I feel like we have kind of a short form on set. Uh, we can be very quick and very efficient the way we communicate with one another. Um, you know, there was a, a behind the scenes documentary that got made about one of our films and someone had filmed us and Jonas had just done a take and he came off the set and I said to him, hey man, could you do the next one a little more? And he's like, yeah, yeah, with the, and I was like, exactly. But the, he's like, got it, got it, got it, let's go. And then we did our next take. And so I think after you work together for a while and you find somebody that you sort of click with, it, uh, you know, uh, can really, I think, help you get further along in terms of you know depth and complexity and sometimes you get what you're after kind of sooner and it gives you more time to play on set mm -hmm. so how did this like story come about because you know we've, we've had films and tv shows that have kind of dealt with this kind of subject but I kind of feel you brought something different to it but like what made you want to tell this story well, at first, we actually, um, 
we we had made we made another film together ten years ago. It was also a, a a sex comedy, and at the time we had so much fun making that, and it was a success for us. And so we wanted to have another one ready to go because we thought people might be asking. And sure enough, they were. But when we were finished with that one, we kind of sat back and thought, yeah, I don't know if either of us really have anything else to say on this topic of sort of sexual insecurity and. And so we we put it away, and 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 then we went off in our lives, and we both separately got married, and we both separately had children, and and so we came back. When we came back to the subject matter ten years later, we suddenly felt that we had we had a new perspective. We had other things that we we were we were interested in exploring, and and so we were able to kind of dust the old script off, um, and and revisit revisit it in a new way. And, and we added in a whole bunch of different elements and kind of figured out what we wanted to say. Um, so we like to think of it as a bit of a film that we made with had many all this similar Emily Hampshire was in it. We had the same, a lot of the same creatives, but, um, but this felt like, and as I was pitching this to people, the response was pretty unanimous when you, I pitched it and people would say, Oh, I hear you, brother. Um, and so it seemed that anybody who'd been in, in any kind of long-term relationship or had kids um, related to this on some level, sometimes very deeply. <laughs> so we, we, we felt we had tapped into something kind of universal here. Uh-huh. And um, you, you have the story. Then what kind of um what were your kind of inklings for you know casting did you have a set you know group of people in mind or you know what were you actually looking for i mean when i put the cast uh together through kind of a a long audition process we did obviously emily was our first choice for the the lead and we're very happy that she agreed to come and make another movie with us um but, you know, after that, I, I actually am very interested in the audition process and the process of being able to work with actors in the audition room because it it helps me uh, sort of see the material in a new way as well. Like, it's not like I, I feel like I'm not just auditioning actors like would this actor fit the mold that I have in my head, but it's like we're kind of looking at the film and sort of going, oh, it could be this and it could be that. And every actor, like, you know, obviously actors that are getting up to a level, especially during COVID, of, a, of an actual audition, not a tape. They're all very, very good actors. And it's just a question of almost like a series of colors, you know, like if, if, if this character was played by this actor, then this other character should be this actor to kind of create a cast, an ensemble that sort of works and has kind of a, a sort of a depth to it. Uh, so that's a process that I really, really love. Uh, and luckily on this one, Jonas uh, kind of did it with me because he was, because he was playing the role that he was playing, uh, he was able to sort of sit in place of a reader and and workshop some of these scenes. And sometimes mm. in the auditions, like on set, we would sort of go off book <laughs> and and try things and explore different. So it helped us also kind of give us a sense of of what the film could be and and where we could push it further before we got into production. Uh, okay, okay, that makes sense. And like, yeah, did you get everyone you wanted? Were there people where it just didn't? kind of mesh up with schedules or anything like that? I mean, Leonardo DiCaprio, he just happened to be unavailable. Ah, um, so we so awkward. Yeah, I mean, it's the thing with him though, right? The guy's constantly <laughs> like, yeah, I'll do it, I'll do it. And then when you actually, the dates come, he can't, whatever. Um, but yeah, no, we absolutely, I absolutely got uh, the cast that I that I wanted. And I was really, really happy with the way that, that I was able to bring people to the the secondary roles that I think in a rom-com often lack depth. I mean, those mm. roles are sort of there to pull out, you know, uh, depth of your main characters and illustrate like one aspect of your main character, like the subtext or the subplot that they kind of inhabit. But I was really more interested in giving, flushing those characters out a little bit more. Um, and I'm very pleased with what, uh, you know, uh, Lily and Gray and Melanie brought to those parts. I think they're they're great. Yeah, I was just gonna say, I it was nice that that like the Kelly character and the the Marlon character both had that next level of depth to them. Because when we first meet them, you think, right, they're just gonna be there to kind of, you know, move things along. 
but they actually then have their own kind of elements of the story and add those like compelling kind of things to, you know, Josh and, um, oh my God, Emma's story. Emma. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, that, and, and that, that's, that was from a writer's perspective, that was, you know, obviously very deliberate. And, and I think when you're working with a theme that we're working with in this film, that, that as I was saying, it feels very universal and kind of touches everyone. Everybody's got their own take on it. Everybody's got their own perspective, philosophy, history, wounds. Um, and so, you know, it wasn't, it, it, it was, it, in many ways, it was easy to kind of lean into that and create these supporting characters, all of whom had their own relationship to love and sex and, and, and the things that we were, you know, so, and I will also credit, you know, one of the things, one of the other advantages of having made several films with Sean is that I, the ones that I've written and he's directed, and there's been a few of them now, you know, he's, he's, he's a great, co he's a coach. He coaches me through the writing because he's going to direct it. You know, he knows it's, it's got, it's, it's got to be good. And he's not mm. lazy. He won't let something go. So if something's not working, he knows he pushes and he knows how to push. He'll make suggestions sometimes, or he'll say, he'll try to trigger my, he knows how to write as well. So each time we do it, we get a little better at that dance. And I, and I, I credit him for knowing how to elevate my writing game. Um, Sean has a saying he likes to use uh, that I, I bring the zany and he brings the painy uh, because I think often when I'm writing comedy, my tendency is to go for the laugh and go for the joke. And he's always bringing it back to the humanity, always bring it back to the soul of what we're doing. And, and uh, so I'm, I'm very grateful for that. And I really enjoy that process. Yeah, you know, the, one of the things I really liked about this film was, for me, right, it felt that you're looking at these situations, but it's the communication, right? We're, we're seeing this couple, and they love each other, but they just kind of lost that communication, in, in in certain elements of their relationship and you become comfortable so you don't put the effort into those certain kind of things, right? Which is that intimacy. And I thought that was, you know, really kind of a poignant thing. And then we've got these other characters, which I thought was great because it's like when you're asking for advice of people, and you think that person's got all the answers, but you forget that they might have their own issues, right? They may have their own insecurities. And then people you discredit, you think, oh, that person's just a bit of a joke, then has like the poignant, hey, it could be this. And you're like, oh shit, yeah. And I thought that really came out so well, you know, in the story. Well, and I'm, I'm glad that you said that because there's something that you said that I think is the thing that for me was kind of the most attractive about you know, thematically about about working uh, on this project, which was this idea of being of being lost, um, you know, and this couple that in a way has they remember what they were like as a couple, you know, before they had kids, but in the while they've had kids and while they've been raising kids for 10 years or whatever, they've kind of, they've become these other people without noticing that they've become other people. And mm. the, kid, the kids go away and they're like, great, let's go back to, you know, let's pick up where we left off 10 years ago. But of course they've changed. And I, and I love this idea that they're, you know, maybe like they're butterflies going, yearning for their days of being caterpillars and going like, well, how come we can't <laughs> do what we used to do when we were caterpillars? This is so annoying. What's wrong with us? Um, and the process of kind of discovering that that it, in a sense, life's kind of played a trick on them, which is, of course, is the trick that life plays on all of us that we, we get older. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I mean, and then I think there was a lot of fun and Jonas and I discussed it quite a bit. And I also discussed it with all the actors that there was a sense that each of these other characters in their own way is also kind of lost in their lives. And, and there's something really, for me, interesting about watching characters who are very vulnerable because they're all kind of groping around like we all kind of are in our own lives, trying to make sense of it all you know mm, yes yeah I think that's it's the heart sometimes that gets missed in like films right you you want to add the zany you want to be ah it's just laugh 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 
But when you insert the heart into it all, then that takes it to that next level. And I think that's when it really resonates, you know? We hope so. Yeah, and, 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 that, and that is not easy. I, I mean, I, 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 I mean, because I, I think we've learned through our own ups and downs and failures. I mean, it's one thing to say, let's inject heart, but it's, it's, it's finding the, the right balance for the particular movie. And it's so easy to slip into melodrama or sentimentality um or nostalgia i mean there's a lot of traps and so i think a lot of the times we watch a movie and it, it's not quite hitting the mark we don't know why and i think it's because you know there's all these different factors coming into play um so really what we're trying to do i think is 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 make sure that the, the stew is delicious and and that all the ingredients are, are playing their part in the right way. And, and it's, uh, that's kind of a challenge. That's the fun challenge for me. That's what mm. I'm, I'm trying to, I, I'm trying to get that every time. I'm trying to find my way into that each and every time I'm, I'm telling a different story, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, what you just said there is, is I feel is very interesting, right? Because, you know, when you watch a film that doesn't quite work or a TV show that doesn't, it feels like it's missing something, right? Obviously when they're making it, they're not looking to make something that is incomplete, right? So it's when you're in that process, do you automatically know that, you know, maybe there's something that's slightly missing or do you see it when you're looking at the readies in the edit room? Like, how do you, when can you feel those things? Like, you know, in your experience? Certainly for me, I, I do feel it at every stage. I kind of feel like when I was listening to Jonas, Jonas is very, is very positive and he's very optimistic. And I am in many senses the opposite of that. And, and I, and I hate everything. And so that helps us get to, but it's true. But because so we'll have a line in a script or a performance on set or a cut in the, in the edit suite that feels a little maybe maudlin or, or manipulative. And right away, I'm like, Oh my God, I, I hate that. And, and it's not, helpful so i hope sometimes i have the response or <laughs> at least an idea to get us towards the solution but sometimes i just go well i hate that and mm. it's up to my collaborators to try and help us find a way out of it um but but i rely on those skills when i'm when i'm making a film um the ability to know maybe not necessarily what will be great but certainly what sucks like when you see it and it sucks i think it's really important to call it out uh, and and then involve you know all of the other collaborators because Jonas and I are always very careful to pick people you know who we can really collaborate with who are very open and very interested in chucking ideas forward and and you know finding a way forward when it feels like it's not working. Mm, yeah, 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 and I would add, I would add I would say that for, for me um, I have to surround myself with people who I trust to tell me the truth. And so often, you know, especially in writing, I'll write a, I'll write a draft of a new screenplay and I'll, I'll be very excited about it. And then it, it takes the honest feedback of those who I trust to read it and go, it's not there. It's not what these things you're trying to do aren't working. And, you know, and Sean, Sean, of course, Sean and I do that for each other and there's other people that, but, but it's, it's, uh, you, have to, you have to have an openness. I, I mean, it's really key. I see this a lot in the sort of younger up, up, up and coming writers or filmmakers or even actors who, who are kind of blind and they're, they're heading towards a, they're just, they're so, they're so, they're blind to, 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 to maybe the outside perspective on what they're doing. They get very caught up. I think as I'm getting older and as I'm making more stuff, I'm, uh, like Sean said, I, I, I'm more able to, I'm open to the idea that something I'm doing is not working. Whereas there's, there's no, there's not, there's no, that defensiveness is, is gone. I just want to make something that doesn't suck. That's what Sean's sort of getting at. And, and, and if that means I have to swallow my pride, I mean, we've been on set before with, you know, a scene that I've written that Sean has coached me through and we think it's great. And we get on set and we, we write for camera as a rehearsal and Sean and I look at each other and we go, this scene sucked <laughs> and it's not going to work. So now we've got, you know, 12 minutes to repair it. And, and there's a thrill in that. There's an excitement in that in trying to figure out now, okay, well, what, what can we find that is good here and, and what isn't working and you kind of dissect it and then you recreate it. And then like the Phoenix rising from the ashes, you make something that hopefully does not suck. 
<laughs> yes, I, I I can imagine not sucking is an important yeah. part of this. It is. Yeah, it's crucial. <laughs> it's key. Key motivator. Now, do you, you like you you mentioned that you know you you made like a a sex comedy ten years ago, and then you were thinking of like doing another one right away. Now, now this is done, right? Do you think that this would have worked? You could have told this kind of story 10 years ago. No way. I, no way. <laughs> mm. No, I mean, you know, for, for me personally, as I, as I was saying, I, there's this theme that I was very interested in that I think I would have fought to the death against 10 years ago. Right. This idea that these people have had a, a sexual, a very active sexual life and then they become parents and that changes and that what as an audience, hopefully what we hope will happen is that they will learn to accept and embrace that change and, and become who they have become, you know, with grace. I think, you know, 10 years ago, I would have been like, no, no way. No, just because you have a kid, that doesn't mean you're going to have less sex. You know, and someone older than Absolutely. me, like, wow, I've got some really bad news for you. But I mean, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and that's what I can't. I mean, I mean, to be blunt, that's what I kept coming up against in the writing of that script. I mean, we put that away, that script away. Sean and I mutually agreed after you know many years of writing it, we were just like, this, we we haven't cracked this story. Let's put it away. And and I kept coming up against that is that I didn't really have the perspective or you know the life experience or the insight to to that to, to bring a mature, sort of a, a more enlightened or a more mature perspective to that scenario. I was not ready to let that go. And so, yeah, so coming back to it 10 years later, I think uh, was the key. And, and I never thought that I would, I mean, that this project was, was gone. We'd gone off and both made several other films and I never thought we'd circle back to make another sex comedy. So it was kind of a, like a delightful treat for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, how much does life play into your work? And not so, not as much as, oh, this is an exact experience that you've had, but pulling on past relationships, like past conversations, past insights that can help you really redefine a story. Go ahead, Sean. No, I was going to say, yeah, a lot. Yeah, a lot. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's it, it really is. Sometimes, I mean, my wife is a psychologist uh, uh, and she, she has often said to me that, that she sees me working through whatever it is I need to work through with my films uh, right. and, and, and what I'm writing. And it's a, it's a really unique way to be able to sort of deal with stuff and to take it out of my head and put it on a page and you know let it fight with itself and and form it into something that has some mm. kind of meaning for me and we hope when the film is done for for audiences as well but uh, yeah personally if i'm if i'm not bringing something personal to it when i'm making it it it, it becomes very difficult for me to invest you know it, the emotion and the labor and the time and everything else that a film sort of requires you know i feel like if you're if you're not bringing something personal to it it's kind of like it's a, it's a hallmark movie or something right yeah, but you, you understand that's dangerous, right? Because now if you make a film about a guy that's cheating, <laughs> your wife's going to be like, yo, sure. It's a metaphor. <laughs> no, it's a metaphor. <laughs> it's funny, funny you should mention that because the next movie that we have that we just finished is about someone cheating. But that said, Kevin, um, I, you know, I'll, I'll answer your question. I'll add to what Sean said. And that it, certainly as a writer and an actor, I think it's my job to bring my life to my work. And I think that, that, that that's the goal, that's the objective. That's what people are connecting with, with material that they feel is authentic and that it that has some life to it. So I'm all for escapist storytelling. You know, I love a big sci-fi movie as much as the next person, but the ones that I think are truly great are the ones that have something else happening within them, something that mm. is you know, resonating or, or, or familiar, because I, I think that's ultimately why we want to go sit in a theater and watch a story with a bunch of people is to, so that we don't feel like we're alone. It's like, oh, that's, uh, that's my experience too. I understand what that experience is because I've had my own version of that. So as an actor, even when I'm doing something that is far removed from my own life, I'm always looking for what's the, what's my in, you know, what is my personal connection there? And once I find it, when I'm lucky enough to find it, 
um, you know, I exploit it. <laughs> oh man, nice. I think I, actually, yeah. Let's let's stick with that because you know you, you write and you act. So how is that for you? Like when you're starring in a film that you've written, mm. right? And, and like, do you know you're gonna star in it when you're writing it? You know what I mean? Mm. Are you writing that lead character for you? Or at the end of the writing process, are you like, oh, actually, I think I can bring something to that. Or you just don't find oh, oh. someone who you feel is <laughs> a good lead and you're like, all right, I'll step in. No, no, I'm, I'm the only reason I'm a writer is so that I can uh, <laughs> be an actor. So I can be an actor. And, and I've never, I'm yet to write something for somebody else that I didn't act in. I, I, that would be so boring for me. Uh, writing is agonizing. I don't love it, but I do love the dessert that I get at the end, the reward, which is that I get to play this exciting, complicated, messy character that I've created. And, and for me, that's the whole reason why I'm a writer. And, and, you know, Sean has written several of his own films as well. And I will speak for him because I know he feels the same way. Writing is agonizing, but he gets to direct and tell a story afterwards. So it's a, it's a means to an end. And the acting is the joy for me. And the writing is the, uh, uh, agony uh, and and and, I, and i'll continue to do that as long as uh people will con continue to finance or fund movies where i'm you know playing the part i'll continue to write stories for myself because it's uh it's just it's just so much fun <laughs> okay no 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 that's all good man you know what i mean like why not <laughs> right <laughs> absolutely yeah and um you know there's there's, uh, there must be like a vulnerability with some of the stuff, right? Like, you know, in this in this film, you know, some of the things that, um, you know, Josh is saying, and it, it's just like, where do, where do you draw that from? You know, being able to kind of really hit those different emotions. Are you are you frozen, Jonas? Or are you thinking he might be frozen? He may <laughs> be. You've, you've frozen him with your question, frozen him with fear. Well, I mean, you know, certainly from a director's perspective, and I'm sure he would have a very similar answer as an actor. I think with all of these moments, and there's some very embarrassing, some very vulnerable moments in this film and some of the other films that we've made, we find that kernel, that seed of the common experience that we all have. Uh, and then, of course, as people doing comedy, we try to exploit it and push it to its most ridiculous extreme, you know. I mean, there is a moment at the end of this film, which we don't push to a ridiculous extreme, where the character of Kelly has kind of a beat after Jonas's character of Josh has left her in a hotel room. Mm. And, and, and it's kind of a, a reflexive beat. And we sort of thought, you know, I sort of thought that this character is so aloof and so confident and so sassy that we needed to see, we needed to see kind of a vulnerability from her just for a moment so that we could feel like she was like us, you know? And it's just that seed of it, but we give her this little, you know, 10 hour period in the film where she's been rejected twice uh, and being rejected is humiliating, like for all of us, for every human. And I, I think giving her that, that little beat you know, really humanizes her and really gives her a place that that all of us as audience members can kind of plug into her and say, oh yeah, she's like me. Mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. so it is that that little seed that I think is hopefully anyway, universal, that we try to work into something bigger that then becomes, you know, fictionalized. And, uh, and the longer we work, it's sometimes very divorced from our own experience in terms of the details. And, and now that I've had some time to think about it, um, <laughs> uh, I, I, my, my first love when I was 20, I fell in love with a woman and we were together for four years and about two years into it, uh, you know, the sex started to suffer and uh, it was uh, agony. It was, it was really painful. And I remember us going through this, this, uh, this extremely difficult ordeal where we were like, what's wrong with us? We're only, we're in our twenties. Like, why is this happening? We should be, we're virile and young and full of energy. We should be having sex all the time. And why aren't we? And, and so a lot of the stuff that I'm drawing from, which is interesting because I feel like this is a movie, you know, for everybody, hopefully, but certainly 
it seems to be about, you know, this sort of situation in our 30s or 40s. Um, but as a 20-year-old, I, I kind of went through something like this. So there is stuff in here that's vulnerable. And, and I, I find, like Sean was saying, with his, that his wife pointed out, I, I'm definitely helping to deal with and process some of these things, working through my own stuff. It's my therapy. I mean, I, I have my therapist. He's terrific. But I also get to uh, to write these stories and 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 play these roles, um, you know, and work work through some stuff as I do it. Mm, mm. Now, mm. do you use like references? You know what I mean? Like when you're thinking about the beats of a scene or or the emotions you want to, you know, yourself or other characters to hit. Do you be like, oh? remember the scene in this film or do you use music like put together a playlist to help people get into that kind of zone i don't i don't i don't use music and i'm not often thinking about other films but i will say that one of the great things about mr sean garrity here is that his he he is uh often referencing it's it's usually obscure porn films from the <laughs> 80s and 70s that i you know have never heard of but he's often drawing on oh, this, this, you know, this is the way it was done. And it had this great effect. So we are calling back But when I'm writing, I'm just kind of in, I'm, I kind of become the characters and they're being channeled and, you know, they're through me and I hear their voice. I talk out loud. I speak in their voice. I'm not really thinking about other things. And I, I don't have music playing. It's always quiet. Um, but I'll, also, I'm a student of film, and so I'm, I'm I watch a ton, and I'm constantly trying to uh, break it down. Why was that so effective? Why did that make? Why did that bring me to tears? Like, what is, what is the mechanics of that? And and then stealing liberally from from those movies that that were effective. <laughs> oh dear! You know, a couple of movies that kind of sprung to mind when I was watching this was like um Zach and Miri make a porno. And um, I give it a year. It was a, a British um rom I don't, I don't know that one. Oh man, yeah, you it had uh <laughs> oh my god, Steve Merchant. Steve Merchant was in oh, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so it's a really good um so I can't think of who else was in it. It was a really good cast though. But yeah, no, those two kind of came to mind when um watching this because I kind of felt that you know, like with yours, it's, you know what I mean? You, you, that baseline kind of notion of like, this is a thing they're trying to do or trying to work around, but then insert that kind of human element into it. So it, it makes it that something more, mm. you know, which I yeah, think I, always I th works well. I, I think for me, the rhythms, the rhythms of like Judd Apatow's best stuff is what's kind of, I think playing subconsciously for me, I mean, J Judd Apatow makes these films that are raunchy and surprising and shocking and very, very funny, but they're always about very real, very grounded human emotions, particularly, you know, the big, the big ones, this is 40 and mm. four year old virgin knocked yeah. up. And um, so, so probably that's what's happening for me. Um, I don't know if those are influences for Sean and from the director's chair or not, but I'd say as from a writing perspective, no, and it's interesting that I think, you know, when we're, when I'm making a film, I'm just, I'm really thinking about the film itself and what is truthful and what we can, it's almost like I'm trying to read the film more than I'm trying to impose something on the film, you know what I mean? Um, and, and trying to make all of those kind of moments work in a style that feels like what the film sort of wants to be. We, we do, however, I mean, both Jonas and I have this experience uh, because, you know, being an independent filmmaker uh, means that you spend, you know, 95% of your life financing a film and then 5% mm. of your life actually making films. After the fact, once we've, you know, we got a script that we're happy with and we have a, a treatment or a breakdown or a director's approach that we're happy with, then we're forced to think about, oh, okay, when we take this to money people, what do we tell them it's going to be like? Mm. Like, and, and there's a right, moment of kind of right. sitting back and saying, well, what could it be like, uh, you know, and of course, it always has to be stuff that made money. So stuff that it might be like that didn't make any money, we never suggest. Because <laughs> nobody wants to hear that, right? Yeah. So you're not saying, ah, oh, it's going to be like Jilly. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, not, yeah. All right, that makes sense. Now, in that regard, like, 
what has the kind of the the, uh, the growth of streaming platforms brought to indie filmmaking? Has it opened it up a bit more for you guys? I'm not sure that it has um, opened it up in the sense of, you know, getting a film financed. And uh, I mean, as of yet, I have not worked directly with, uh, with a streamer. Um, and, you know, what, what they seem to be interested in uh, at the moment anyway, up here does not seem to be something that, that I am developing. You know, that said, the one thing that streaming does that I always notice, I don't know if you've noticed this, Jonas, you know, you make a film um, and I will put a Google alert on the name of my film and the name of some actors or something. So if it gets mentioned somewhere in the press, I'm able to sort of download the press and keep it somewhere. Mm. Um, the day that it appears on streaming, like 1800 pirate sites from around the world suddenly have the movie it's right. everywhere the second that like literally within within less time than it takes to watch the movie i'm always shocked like at 8 a.m it's on the streamer by 8 20 like 500 <laughs> pirates have it uh, <laughs> that's, that's new <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and like like Sean said, we haven't. We're I've, neither of us have yet made a film directly for a streaming service. We've had our films picked up and aired on streamers, and you know mm -hmm. that's been great. Um, but for us, I think the for now anyway, the approach is the same: tell the stories we want to tell, um, work, as, do whatever we got to do to uh, to find the money to tell that story, and. You know, if that meant uh, a streaming service came in and said, oh, we'll, we'll cover this, we'll, we'll pay for the whole thing. Um, I have no problem with that. <laughs> um, it means a lot less searching for me. And so I do think in that regard, it's a good thing. There's more content. There's more great stories. There's more great films. There's there's more great TV, obviously, than there's ever been. And as a as a consumer, as a as a a person who who watches incessantly and is always looking for the next great thing, I, I I'm very fond of the the direction things are going in, and I'm I'm also very happy that we still the, the theatrical. Thank you, Tom Cruise. That the theatrical release is still a thing. I mean, ironically, this film, The End of Sex, um, is coming out on April 28th, and it's going to play on more actual screens than by far than any film you know, Sean nor I have ever made. And and that's beautiful because it's a time where that is happening less and less for independent films because it's not as much of a piece of the puzzle. But for us, we make films, I mean, it's, it's it, Sean will, will tell you, and he's a, he's a purist. And we were in post-production on our next film. And Sean is, doesn't, we don't know where that film will land, but Sean is insistent as he should be on, let's make sure we're, we're making this film for theatrical play. So at every stage of, of post-production, it's let's see, how does it sound in a movie theater? How does it look on a movie screen as opposed to let's build this for, you know, our TV screens or our computer mm. screens. And that's the goal. We want to make films that people see in movie theaters. Um, but I'm happy if they play elsewhere as well. <laughs> watch watch hey. it on your watch. Why not? <laughs> oh, yeah, my sure. gosh. That, that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I. You know, small screens, like there is something about watching it on a big screen. You know, they, I think there's that magic of going to the cinema that, you know, a lot of people talk about, you know, the death of cinema. But I, I, I feel that cinema is such an experience that it won't ever really go away in our lifetime, at least. Yeah, you know, and for this for this film, um, I actually just my daughter found it. Actually, uh, there was a play I think at the Golden Horse Film Festival. Did you know this, Jonas? It played in Taiwan. Yeah, I did know that. I did not know that. So this this influencer in in Taipei saw the film, and she wrote um, on her blog, I, I that she couldn't help but thinking that everybody else around her in the theater had the same embarrassing intimate experiences that she had had when she sat there in the dark with them and heard them all laughing <laughs> at the same places she was laughing. Mm. And I was like, yeah, there's some, there's a magic there to the kind of the collective experience yeah. of, of watching a film with a bunch of strangers and all laughing at the same moments and all being shocked at the same moments and all being brought to tears at the same moments that speaks to something you know, in our humanity that I think is really uh, encouraging. 
I, I had the same experience when we were in um, when we were in one of the film festivals we were in, where somebody in the audience made that comment. They said that they at first they were very embarrassed, they were shrinking back in their chair, but then as soon as everybody laughed at the same thing that they connected to. So as the as the as the filmmakers, I can tell you that going to film festivals, going to screenings, being at Q and A, seeing this movie play with you know 300, 400 people in a theater, whether it was at TIFF or in Dub Dublin or 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 the Glasgow Film Festival. It's it. There's a different energy to it. It's received in a different way when you're watching it communally, which is of course the way motion pictures were meant to be seen originally. Then, then when it's received by a person watching it on the couch, mm. and and there, there's something very pure about that and 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 encouraging. It, it it definitely look. We're not solving the world's problems. I don't think that you know what we do is important in that way, but. We are bringing the world together. That's that's what I'll say. We're bringing the entire world together. Mm. And and that's a great know, great button if you want to end with that quote button. unquote <laughs> Jonas Chernick seems to be bringing the world together. Nice world world peace world yes. peace. But you, scenes with Jonas Chernick bring the world together. That's right. Like you do say, you're not solving problems, but there is something about watching something enjoyable if you're feeling sad right it might not change the situation but for that moment in time it does uplift you you know what I mean so it's just like there is a medicine in great storytelling yeah, I'm 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 glad you say that. I mean, not just because you said great storytelling. I'm gonna just point out that you did say that. <laughs> um, but, uh, but but no, also because you know, I mean, certainly me personally in my work, I always try to make my films, you know, about something. I want it, there, there to be you know actual meat at the core of it, content-wise. But at the same time, I'm very interested in making all of my films engaging enough and hooky enough that people can just watch and start watching and it carries them from the beginning to the end. And for 90 minutes, they're just in the world that I'm trying to create for them on the screen and everything outside kind of gets left behind. You know, I, I really enjoy films that are not that, that are slow and deliberately paced and pensive, but I've never wanted to actually make one myself. Uh, I, I really like films that, like making films that, that just, Yes, ob obliterate the outside experience for people and have them engaged for 90 minutes. Mm. Well, I can tell you that the end of sex hits the mark. I, I was in I enjoyed it all the way through. Not just saying that because you guys are in front of me. I honestly enjoyed it. And um, yeah, I, I, I feel that it's going to definitely resonate with people I think you know as I said it, it kind of reminded me a bit of um Zach and Miri and you know I give it a year god damn my memory's gone <laughs> <laughs> and I think if people enjoyed those films they're gonna love this one you know what I mean so um yeah I think you've done a great job gentlemen no, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It's been a joy talking to you and uh, um, it's it's been a lovely uh, conversation. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I know I've got to let you go shortly. So if you can let people know how they can follow you and find you. That'd be <laughs> I, uh, I have rejected social media for uh, <laughs> various reasons. Uh, I do uh, have an underused Twitter account. So I'm at Jonas Chernick. Um, there's a website out there, which if that's still a thing that people go to, you can check that out. Sean, how's your social media presence? Yeah, my daughter handles it. Um, and uh -huh. so I have a teenage daughter. And she, uh, but uh, no, at, at Garrity Winnipeg is uh is my twitter and it might also be my instagram i'm not sure um, <laughs> yeah, if, if, if people really want to find me i'm probably hanging out at bar italia in winnipeg you know come say hi <laughs> okay and um when can we see the the, the new film like the the one you're oh, it's called it's called the burning season um we, it, we don't know where and when it will premiere, but it will uh, certainly be at some point uh, this calendar year. So keep your eyes open, maybe, uh, hopefully in the fall. Okay. Um, yeah, I'll, uh, that's, I'll let you know. All right. But, and uh, hopefully you will come by and we can, uh, you know, shoot the breeze about that one. <laughs>
Would love that. Absolutely. Would like that very much. Splendid. Well, gentlemen, thank you very much. And um, keep making enjoyable films. That's all I can say, really. Thanks. Thank you, Kevin. All right. Take care. You too. Take it easy. Peace. Bye. Okay, so there you go, people. There you go. Right? Sean and Jonas. Boom. Great to speak to. And hopefully, we will have them back for their uh, newest joint, right? That they're working on. So, uh, yeah, people, end of sex. Definitely, definitely recommend it. You know what I mean? Hitting cinemas uh, right now. Well, tomorrow, right? Friday the 28th of April. And it will be hitting, um, yeah, VODs on the 16th of June, I believe. Right? That might be the 6th of June. It's out in June, right? Um, 13th of June. It will be hitting uh, VODs and all of that. So, people check it out you will not be disappointed all right and if you missed it go check out part one we look at quasi we look at um shit ghosted there is nope and a film dropping tomorrow as well is clock a psychological thriller that is pretty great Okay, so, um, yeah, that's it, people. Share with your friends and come back next week for another episode of Echo Chamber. Peace.